Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, so I'm like Mike Baker last week. Uh, you got to talk back to me. And uh, I, tell, I tell my youth that too, that uh, I don't know that I'm getting through to you and we're going to be here all morning long unless you at least do this. Yeah, yeah, that's, I understand. I got you. So uh, we'll be out, out of here a whole lot quicker if you'll just respond and, uh, and, know, and, le- and make me know that uh, I'm speaking to you because uh, I believe I've got a word this morning. This morning, uh, uh, first of all, uh, I'm like, I'm going to say what Mike did. I, get, I don't get the microphone on Sunday morning very often, but uh, I'm very thankful for my wife. They, uh, there's a saying that says, behind every good man, there's a good woman, and um, that really is true. And she is, uh, she's my strength, and uh, I'm very thankful for her. So, <clears throat> we've only been married a year. <laughs> so you still get a little emotional about it. So, but this morning, I want to talk about something that a lot of people do not like. I want to talk about something that's hard for most people to do. I'm going to read a a quote from a man that has an incredible name, incredible name. His name is Woody Guthrie. He said this. Hey, listen, I could have used any quote. Any, there was tons of quotes, but I found this one, and I wanted to read it about Woody Guthrie. He said this. Life has got a habit of not standing hitched. You got to write it like you find it. You got to change with it. If a day goes by that you don't change some of your old notions for new ones, That is just about like trying to milk a dead cow. This morning, I want to talk about change. And the the title of my message is Welcome to Change. It's as if we're coming upon something new, something that you don't know, but it's change this morning. And I want to talk about change. There's one thing that I can guarantee in your life. I can't guarantee a whole lot of things, but one thing I can guarantee is that it will change. Your life will change changed. My life, I know that I'm only 25 years old, but my life has changed a lot. If you look back and you think about your life, think about middle school, then go to how high school was. Your life, you thought it was drastically different. Then you got to college and you realized, oh my goodness. And then for those of you that got married, you got married and you realized what change was about. And that's where it comes into play is change. Wait till we have kids. That's right. That's right. I was sitting down, I was sitting down with a, a man that helped us plant this church, Dr. Carpenter. I was sitting down, and I was having lunch with he and his wife, and, and uh, Jesse, Jesse came and joined us, but she had to go back to work, so it was just us sitting there, and uh, he told me something. He said, he said Woody, when, when, you, when, you get, when you got married, you got to know Jesse on a whole new level, and I said, yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, you find out the good, the bad, the ugly, everything you could hide. You can no longer hide no more when you're married, all of those things. But he said, wait till you have kids and expect it. Your life's going to change. You've got to get to know her in a whole different way. He said, then wait till your kids graduate and move out. Then you've got to get to know your wife in a whole different way. So all of that just shows that our life changes. It is constantly changing. And this is something else that I realized. The older we get the less we like change. 
Now listen, I didn't say when you get old. I said the older you get. See, that's, that's a way of young people not getting in trouble by saying old. Just older. Older just means you're older than 25. That's all older means to me. But it's the less we like change. So what we've got to do in our life is we got to work hard to make sure that we are willing to change anything that God wants us to change. If God says change it, you better change it. And see, when pastor asked me to speak about two months ago, God almost immediately laid a message about change on my heart. And when I first started kind of preparing it, I was going to preach a message about that if you have no change, then you have no glory, then you have no power, then you have no life. And that was going to be, the, that was going to be my sermon, that whole sermon. I was going to expound on each one of those. And then at the end, I was going to say that if you know K-N-O-W change, then you will K-N-O-W glory and power and life. And that's the truth this morning, that if you're not constantly changing, then you will not know any of those things. But as I started preparing my message, God really laid on my heart some things that we need to change across the board. I don't care who you are. If you are a human being, then these three things need to be changing in your life. So, and the first one that I want to look at is our mindset. We have a mindset that's set in place. It's what we think. It's, it's how we view life. And it's got to change. See, I want to use, I'm going to use Moses as an example this morning. But when God called Moses in, in, in Exodus chapter 3, when God called him from the burning bush, Moses had to change his mindset. See, God called him and said, hey, you're going to be the person to deliver the people out of Egypt. And he said, <laughs> I don't even know how to talk. I'm not that man. You've got the wrong person. How many times in our life has God called us to do something and we say, no, God, you got the wrong person. It's because our mindset about ourselves. But we not only, Moses not only had to change his mindset about himself, but he also had to change his mindset about God. Because, see, if he would have understood who God was and what God was getting ready to do, he would have had a different view, a different outlook, a different response. So we've got to change our mindset about ourselves and about God. See, we form thoughts about ourselves and about God, and we refuse to change them. But we've got to change them. We've got to constantly be changing them. See, this is, this is what it's all about. God's calling us to do great things, just like Moses. And if we, if we just see it in and of ourselves, and we have the mindset about ourselves and a mindset about God, then we'll never do it. If we have a low self-esteem, if we view God as a little God, then we'll never do the great things he's calling us to. The things that he's calling us to, we've got to change to accomplish those things. And the first is we've got to change our mindset. And see, and how you change your mindset is you have to see yourself the way that God sees you. See, God, this is what God says about you. He said that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. He said that you can do all things through Christ Jesus. He said that you're the head and not the tail, that you're the top and not the bottom, that you are more than an overcomer. See, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I looked all up in the dictionary. You know what all means? All means all, everything. All inclusive, everything you can think about. That's what God can do in you, and you've got to see yourself that way. 
You've got to have that kind of mindset about yourself. We have to view ourselves the way that God views us in order to accomplish the things that God wants to do in our lives. But we not only have to change our mindset about ourselves, we've got to change our mindset about God. And we've got to see God this way. Not the way TV portrays God, not the way that your friends portray God, not the way that your parents perceive God, but we've got to see God this way, the way that he says he is, the way that he is. Because, see, a lot of us, we have these views about God, that he is this way, but he's not. You think he is. We've got to constantly be looking to the Bible to see the right view of God. See, and I work with teenagers all the time, and teenagers, you know, they they don't have all the wisdom in the world, which none of us do. But a lot of the times when you talk to them about problems in their life, they'll say, I can't believe God did that. It's good that you can't believe it because God didn't do it. There's a reason for that. But we have this mindset about what God is, who he is, how he works. We're going to get to that in a little bit, but we've got to change that. See, this is what this is what the Bible says about God. He says that he is the God of peace, that he is the God of love. It says that he has good plans for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. He also says that he can do far more than all we can ask or imagine. That blows my mind. It should blow yours. God can do anything you can think about. I always tell, I always tell my young people, they always sit right here, and I preach right here to them. And sometimes when I'm preaching to them, I'll leave them, and I'll walk right over here, and I'll preach. There's nobody sitting over here. And the reason I do that is because God's going to fill this place, and God's going to put young people over here, and God's going to do this. You know why? Because I can think about it. I can imagine it, and I, the God that I serve says he can do far more than that. He's going to pack this place out. He's going to pack Passion Church out. You've got to have the right mindset of God. You've got to see him that way. See, we've got to change our mindset about God and ourselves in order to accomplish what God has planned for us. The second thing that we've got to change in our life is our habits. We've got some habits in our life that we've got to change. Now, not all habits are bad. When I get up in the morning, I have a routine. A habit. I do the same thing. I get out of bed. I go use the restroom. I get up. I look, look in the mirror. I kind of wipe, wipe my eyes out. Now, it depends. Your morning routine depends on where you're going, right? If I'm just going to work, I mean, I just kind of do this. I brush my teeth. I throw on a ball cap, and I walk out the door. That's basically it. You're getting my teeth brushed, and that's all. Because I work outside. I get dirty. Ain't no need to church up for that. But <laughs> when I get up in the morning... And I'm going to church on Sunday morning. My routine may be a little bit different. I brush my teeth. I even shave on Sundays. That's the only time I shave, gentlemen. You can be jealous. Listen, when I was, when I was 14 and 15 and 16 and 17, people used to make fun of me. Now they're envious of me. I say, that's right. I shave once a week. And it's on Sunday morning and you can't even tell. I can, let, I can let my, I can let my uh, little goatee right here, I can let it grow out for about two weeks, and Jesse won't even notice. <laughs> Honest to God, she won't even notice. It's a blessing. That's right. You can be envious of me. I like it. I like it. But see, I have another habit that may be considered bad. 
I'm just kind of telling you a little bit about myself this morning. About 10 o'clock at night, about 11 o'clock at night, I get the munchies. <laughs> and I'm telling you what, if I'm not in bed by about 1030, this craving comes up for little Debbie's. And I'm telling you what this morning, I have a honey bun, an oatmeal cream pie, a brownie, and a tall glass of whole milk almost every night if I'm up that late. And as I get older, that's going to change. <laughs> as my metabolism starts to hit the floor, that's going to change. But at the current moment, read it and weep, I can eat whatever I want to and look like this. But not all habits are bad. Some, are, some, are, some habits are bad. I want to I use Moses as an example for this. I want to look in Numbers chapter 20, and I'm going to read 2 through 12. I know it's 10 verses. Just hang with me. And I always tell my young people they don't like the Old Testament because they think it's boring, but that's where all the good stuff is. Starting in verse 2 says this. Now there was no water for the community, and the people gathered in opposition to Moses and Aaron. They quarreled with Moses and said... If only we had died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community into this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Does that sound familiar? That's us. That's us complaining. Wow, wow, wow. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Verse 6, Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance to the tent of the meeting and fell face down, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. The Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to him, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. A great story? Listen to verse 12. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough, to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. See, there's some history about Moses that you got to understand. He had this staff from the very beginning, and he had a habit of using his staff for God to work. So in this instance, you see, God told him to speak to the rock. And out of habit, I believe, Moses struck the rock. And because of it, it cost him his destiny. His whole purpose from the time of the burning bush until the end of his life was to take the Israelites into the promised land. Not up to the promised land, but into the promised land. And because God told him to speak to the rock and he hit the rock, he didn't get to go in. He carried him right up to the top and then he died. It cost him his destiny. There's habits in your life that if you don't change those habits, it's going to cost you your destiny. See, but that's what we do is we form habits in our relationship with God. See, most of the time how the habit goes is we say, if I do this, then God's got to do that. 
step one, two, and three, and God's got to do four, right? So every time you have a, a troublesome time come in your life, you say, oh, well, if I just pray or if I just fast for a week, then God's got to do this. Wrong. Absolutely wrong. We cannot put God in a box. And that's what we do when we say, when I do this, this, and this, and God's got to do that, you put him in a little tiny box. You put him in a little tiny box. See, and this is something that you have to see from this story about Moses and Aaron. See, Moses and Aaron went into the presence of God, and God told Moses and Aaron and told Moses what to do, but Aaron heard it. So Moses and Aaron go out there, and because Moses disobeyed God, it cost Aaron. So there's habits that you have in your life that if you don't change, it costs your spouse. She didn't do anything wrong, gentlemen. She didn't do anything wrong, but because of your choices and you being stubborn and refusing to change, it cost your wife. Women, the same thing for you. When we refuse to change, it can hurt the people that are closest to us. Those of you that have kids, it can hurt your kids. You think about it. You think about some of the habits that people have, drinking habits, drug habits, partying habits. You think it don't, co- it don't, you don't, you don't think it changes their kid's life? You don't think it affects them? You don't think it affects their spouse, their family members? It definitely does. We've seen it time and time again. But what we do is we say, oh, my problem's not that bad. I'm speaking to myself. I'm speaking to you. But Woody, I don't have a drinking problem. But what problem do you have? Because the Bible that I read says that the wages of sin are death, period. It doesn't say for the wages of the bad sin, the sin that puts you in prison. See, there's different punishments for sin, and that's what makes us think that one's better than the other. But the truth is that sin is sin. People don't like to hear it, but you lying or cheating is the same as somebody killing somebody or raping them. It's the truth. That's where it's at. And this is, this is what we have to realize about God, is God always works, but he doesn't always work the same way. So you've got habits in your life of how you get God to move, and one day God's going to blow that up, and it ain't going to work. And you're going to say, but Woody, I fasted for a week and I prayed for two hours. So do something different. Why don't you fast for a month? I don't think God's called me to that, but uh, <laughs> if he's calling you, you got to do something different. And, this is, and this, is, this, is what, this is what we have to do. In order for us to see what God's doing and follow it, we've got to stay focused on him. We can't be focused on our job. Oh, I know it's what pays the bills. But if you're so focused on your job and you lose sight of what God's doing, See, you know the scripture that says, where, the, where there is no vision, my people perish? Do you know what a, another, a different version says? It says that when my people fail to see what God is doing. I preach that to my young people about vision, that they've got to see what God is doing. That's what we've all got to do. We've got to see what God's doing. And then that same version says, but those who see what God is doing and attend to it, live a blessed life. So you've got to catch on to what God's doing, and you've got to attend to it. 
Don't always think, don't put God in a box and say he's got to work this way because he doesn't have to work this way. He is God and he is a huge God. And when you put him in a box, all you do is limit yourself and limit him. And it does no good. So we've got to keep our eyes focused on what God is doing so that we can have the right habits, so that we can have the good habits. If you have a habit of praying two hours a day, that's a good habit. But it can get, it can get old. And it can be just something that you do. And it can truly become a habit. And then it's meaningless. If you get up two hours early every morning and you get up at four in the morning and you pray from four to six, but it just becomes something that you do, it has lost its power. And that's what we've got to see. And that's why we've got to stay focused on God so that we can see what he's doing and we can attend to it. You've got to change your habits. So the third thing that we've got to change is you've got to change your life. Your whole life, all, in, all inclusive. You've got to change, and another, another way that I want us to look at it is you've got to change your purpose. Why are you here? And for this, I want to use the disciples with Jesus as an example. See, the disciples thought they knew everything about God. They thought they knew everything about Jesus when he got here. They thought they understood what he was doing, where he was going, and just to prove how right they are, when the guards come to get Jesus, what does Peter do? Whips out a sword and cuts a guy's ear off. Now, is that because he's that good? No, it's because he missed. Probably. He was probably swinging at his head, but goofy little Peter swung in a miss and hit the guy's ear. But see, that's what we do. We think we understand what we're here for. We think we understand what God's plan is for us, and we're going to walk that, and ain't nobody going to tell me any different. Wrong. See, Jesus came declaring the kingdom of God, and the disciples thought they understood that. They thought that all these angels were going to come down to heaven, down to earth from heaven, and it was going to be the kingdom. They didn't understand that there was two comings of Jesus. He came twice. The first time was with them, and they thought it was the second time. They thought they understood everything. But what Jesus did is Jesus questioned them. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Everything that they took, every commandment that they had, every, every law that they had, he was, he was questioning constantly. People saying, Jesus goes and heals a man and all these people come around and go, you're not supposed to work on Sunday. Excuse me? He just took a man that was crippled his whole life and healed him, and you're going to gripe because he worked on Sunday, the Sabbath? He came and he challenged their life. Jesus today is challenging your life. He's saying, what are you doing and why? But when we refuse to change, we become a Pharisee. In Jesus' day, the people that refused to change were Pharisees. They had all these laws that they made up. I'm speaking to somebody. All these laws that they made up about what God said, and God didn't say any of them. All they were doing was trying to make it hard for people to serve God so that they could stand up on a pedestal and say, look at me. Oh, but Woody, I don't do that. Do you? 
Do you do that? There's a sermon that I would have loved to preach this morning about Jesus entering the temple. And I, I bought a cow whip. I've got it at my house. I keep it around in case Jesse gets out of line. It's for, it's for me. It's for me. It's for when I get out of line. She just smacks me a couple times. No, but listen, I went out and bought this cow whip, and I preached a message about how we think God does. And the whole point of my message was God, when he went into that temple and he overturned tables. See, what we do is we think God went in there and grabbed a table and sat it on the ground. He took a cup of change and kind of spilled it out and said, what are you guys doing? But the purpose of what Jesus did that day is because there was money changers in the temple, in the church, that were making it hard for people to serve God, making it hard for them to worship. So when he came in, he came in like a wildfire. And this is the whole point of my message. God, Jesus, was no less Christ-like in that moment than he was when he was hanging on the cross. And when he overturned those tables, he overturned the tables. And when I preached the message, it was for a class in school. When I preached the message, message Mr. Trammell, Terry Trammell was the professor, and he was sitting at the back. And I came in, and I overturned a table and sat it down all nice and said, what are you doing? And then I walked out of the door, and I came in, and I chunked the table. And when I chunked that table, I saw it go above my head and come smashing down, and I cracked a whip, and I said, what are you doing? You've made it hard for people to worship God. And that's what we've done in our life. We make it hard to worship God. You know what? I never want to hear this statement. Because of Woody and the Christianity he portrayed, I don't want any of it. See, but we think we got it all figured out. We've got life figured out, but God's challenging us to change. To change our life, to change our purpose. See, I've got a good buddy named Mike Baker. You heard him speak last week. Mike and I occasionally go out and play golf. When the weather's great, sometimes it turns out to be like once a month. When Mike and I go out to play golf, I don't invite anybody else. Not because I'm selfish. But because when Mike and I go and play golf, golf is secondary. And we just talk. And this is something that I realized about Mike. Mike challenges me. I can be... <laughs> Tina's wife said amen. <laughs> oh... But see, this is what it is. I can, I can, this is, see, normally what we do is we complain to people that go on our side, do we not? When we have a problem, I'm going to talk to somebody that's going to tell me what I want to hear. When I'm mad at so-and-so, I'm not going to go talk to their best friend. I'm going to go talk to my best friend so they can go, boy, you're right. You ought to go in there and just pound him in the face. That's what I want to hear. But see, when I go and I talk to Mike... Mike, don't tell me that. Mike is the modern-day Jesus. 
and he questions everything I do, even if he agrees with me. He challenges what I'm doing and why. And that's what God does to you, is he challenges, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? See, sometimes in our life what we do is our whole life becomes a rut. And we get into a, a rut of what we do and how we do it and why we do it. And see, I know you've probably heard it before, but the definition for insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and over and expecting something different to happen. That is insanity. See, and if we wanted to, if we wanted to put it right down in the, right down in your feet and stepping on your toes, see, the Israelites were called out of Egypt to go to the promised land, which, which, which what they say was a little more than a week's journey on foot. How long were they in the desert? Forty years they were in the desert for the same reason that some of us today is in the desert when I read that scripture I pulled out my little whiny two year old voice because that's what they did they complained they saw God part the Red Sea and they walked, around, walked across it on dry ground they watched every morning God pour out manna. They walked out of their tents and grabbed breakfast and lunch and dinner. God provided that for them. Their clothes, their sandals never wore out. But yet the least excuse they found, they complained. We were better off in Egypt. There's no pomegranates. There's no grapes. And that's what we do. We get in a rut, and it's because of our own doing. The Israelites refused to change. They refused to believe God. After all the miracles that they had seen, they refused to believe him. They questioned him. And that's what we do in our life. And my question for you this morning is, are you willing to change? If God comes into your life and tells you something that you've done your whole life, I don't care if you're 14 or 25 or 45 or 65, if it's something you've done your whole life and God tells you to change it, are you going to change it or are you going to bow up at him and say, uh-uh, I've done it this way forever and ever and ever. Why is it a problem now? It's a problem now because life changes. Today is not the same as 10 years ago. That's the reason that my job is so important. Your teenagers are going through hell. That's why God's called me to be a youth pastor. And a lot of guys, they think they're, gonna, they think they're called to be a youth pastor to move up to a pastor. No, I don't have any desire to ever be a pastor. I want to be a youth pastor until Mike Baker comes and tells me, Woody, you can no longer do it. 
You're not relevant. You're not good. You're ugly. Get off the stage. But it's because think about what your children go through today and what you went through when you were a child or what I went through when I was a child. You know what? When I was 13 years old, I didn't have to worry about drugs. You do now. You do now. When I was 13, my mama didn't have to worry about me sleeping around. You do now. Today is a completely different day than five years ago, ten years ago. And God's calling us to change. God's calling you to change. God's already raked me over the coals over this. He's already questioned me. What are you doing and why are you doing it? Are you just going through the motions? Do you just prepare a weekly message on Wednesday nights just so that you can get through the day? Or are you seeking my face so that you can provide a message that's going to change the young people's life? See, if you ever want to take somebody and you want to make them rise up in their leadership abilities, you just put them in, you would just put them in some sort of leadership. Because when you're in leadership, you can't just think about you. When you're coming in the church and you're going out, sometimes you can do whatever you want to do. And nobody knows. When I'm having a bad week, you can ask the 20 or so young people that sit here on Wednesday night and they'll tell you, yeah, Woody had a bad week. Woody's struggling. But the truth is that there's people relying on you the same way that they rely on me, that they rely on Pastor Steve, that they rely on any, any other pastor in the church you're doing it. See, because this is it. Pastor Steve don't go to your job. Pastor Steve doesn't go to school with y'all. You're the pastor. You've got to accept it. And God's calling us to change this morning. I want you to stand to your feet. So God's asking you tonight, this morning... Are you willing to change? And what I want you to do is I want you to close your eyes and you block out everybody that's here. And I want you to ask God, literally, ask God, God, what do I need to change? What in my life do I need to change? And asking the questions, the easiest part of it. The hardest part is changing. God's calling us to change. Some of you are here this morning and God's calling you to change because you've been saved your whole life. And you think God works in A, B, and C. And God's trying to tell you, listen, look at me. I'm not doing that. Some of you's here. And you say that you're a Christian. 
but you don't live like it. You maybe live like it on Sunday mornings, maybe an occasional day of the week, but you're living a life full of sin. You've got a habit of sin. Some of you are here and you have the wrong mindset about yourself. Some of you have the wrong mindset about God. And God's wanting to change your mindset. God's wanting to change your habits. God's wanting to change your purpose. But you've got to allow him to change. You've got to make him. You've got to let was the word. Let God arise. You've got to let God arise. You've got to let God change you. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the people here today, God. And I ask right now that they would change. God, they asked the question, what do I need to change? What area of my life do I need to change, God? And God, you told them what area they need to change, Lord Jesus. And I believe that you're going to change them, God. You're going to change their desire. You're going to change their thought life. God, you're going to change their purpose. You're going to change their life. You're going to change everything about them, Lord Jesus. But they've got to allow you to do it. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that they would do that this morning. That they would allow you to change in them, God. And I ask that you would do it. That you would accomplish it. God, that you would change us this morning. God, we're in a rut. We've done the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, and we've expected something different to happen. Lord Jesus, as a church, we're in a prime time that we need to change. This morning, we started out slow worship songs and ended with fast worship songs. And Lord Jesus, that alone stretched us. We said, that's not how we do it. And we got all uncomfortable, Lord Jesus. But I thank you, Lord, that you're changing more than just the set list of the worship songs. That you're changing this world, Lord Jesus. That you're changing this church, Lord. And that we would not be the person that stands in the way of you moving because we refuse to change. So, Lord Jesus, we choose to change this morning so that your will can be done. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And this morning, I don't feel led to have an altar call. Because I've seen that be a rut in my own life. That I think just because I answer an altar call and I get on my knees and I cry for 20 minutes, that I believe God changed me. God changes you when you walk out that door and you do something You do something different. So I challenge you this morning, as my campus pastor at Southwestern always said at the end of his sermons, I challenge you. But I challenge you this morning. Take your mindset and your habits and your life or purpose and you submit it to God. And you be open to change anything that God says to change. See, it's a constant life of change. And I realize that I've seen that the older we get, the less we like change. 
But you've got to change. You've got to change when God's changing. When Passion Church changes and we go to two services and we've got less people here than we're normally used to, we've got to change. See, we can lose momentum. You can say, oh man, this church is dying. There's only this many people. All these chairs are empty. Guess what? That's your job. These chairs being empty and being full is your job. See, and I can say that because I'm not the pastor. See, because the pastor's job is to encourage you so that you can go out and you can make a difference in the world. Sometimes the greatest thing that can happen into somebody's life is that they see Jesus, not hear him. People don't need to hear Jesus all the time. They need to see him, and they see him through you. It says, the Bible says that God's love is made complete in you. That's where his love is made complete. Yeah, it, it's nice when I say, oh, God is wrapping his arms around you and he's loving you. And then when I say, God's wrapping his arms around you and he's loving you. There's a difference there because he felt me. And if God's working through me, then what he did is he felt God. So you do something different this morning. Do something different this week, this month. If you always do A, B, and C, try D, E, F, and C, and J, and K, and L. Give those a whirl. Try something different. So I challenge you this morning to change. Change your mindset about yourself. Change your mindset about God. Change your habits, what you do day in and day out. And change your whole life, your whole purpose. What are you doing and why are you doing it? God bless you. I'm just trusting that the Lord's going to seal this word right now. Father, I pray you'd seal this powerful word. Challenges at our at the places in our life where we're stuck in a rut. I pray that you would challenge us to make changes necessary in how we see ourselves, how we see you, and how we see others. Father, we'll give you the praise for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want it's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, You can't live without passion.